Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. This week on our episode, we're continuing in our series on Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. And we're talking about the Spirit as comforter, but also how the Spirit sometimes riles things up and makes us uncomfortable, and how that's actually a really good and beautiful thing. So I'm not going to give any more than that. We're going to dive right into our episode and trying to figure out when should the Spirit comfort, when does He discomfort us, and what's the goodness on the other end. Heidi ho everybody. Heidi ho Heidi ho good neighbors. Name that show. Oh, you're not here to name it. So you uh, put it in the comments I section. I love Lucy. No. Should anything American before like 2000 or, or even like the 90s? I just I have no idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know who Mr. Rogers was till not that long ago. What? I mean, so, I mean, I mean, I say not that long ago, but I'm talking like seven years ago. Like Christmas Story is that the one with the like the Christmas Carol? No, no, no. I know what, that's British. I know oh. what the Christmas Carol is. <laughs> that's all. That's good. We wrote that. We wrote uh, that. <laughs> the, the, the one with the um, the one with the 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 like the shooter gun or with, like the the I don't know something. About You'll it. shoot your eye out. Yeah, yeah, the maybe, Christmas yeah. Story. I think so. Right. That's not one of our go-to's, so it's not, I don't okay, actually well, anyway, I know it. it, it we did but, a whole thing. A church I was at. We did a whole like Christmas theme on it. I, was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like something about what were PF flyers in there. That's or? like a polarizing Christmas movie because yeah. it's like you either love or hate it. Kind of like Home Alone. Is it a Christmas movie or no? That's a hundred percent a Christmas movie. That's undeniable. Or not Home Alone. I'm Die thinking, Hard. Die Hard. Yeah, that's very much Sorry. polarizing. Yeah, I was going like Christmas. Home Alone's like. But Home Alone is polarizing. Oh, it's not polarizing whether it's a Christmas movie or not. But some people hate it. And I've some just people cut love everyone it. that hates it out of my life. Well. <laughs> I'll tell my wife that <laughs> they slowly find themselves. I love that we've just launched into a uh, Christmas <laughs> in June. Christmas in June on the Red Cow's Theology Podcast. Thank July, you for joining it's even us. More obnoxious. Yeah, um, I'm grateful you all joined us today. The purpose we are here today um, is we have gathered here today. <laughs> To celebrate, um, yeah, or carry on. You, you're trying to like actually make some sense out of this, and I'm yeah. refusing. You're the one going on vacation. And I'm like all unhinged. Yeah. Carry on. I'm going to shut up for a second yeah. and look at some technology while you we're, do an introduction. <laughs> we are here today to talk about um, about the Holy Spirit um, as part of a series we're doing on Pentecost. Um, we're we're p- progressing through John chapter 14. If you've not read it, read it. It's a great chapter. It's also fascinating because it's not in any of the other three Gospels or anything like it really is not in anything of the other three Gospels to the point that some people are even like, no, this must have just been added later. But it's still like, to me, it feels like Jesus. It feels like sim- the, the, the similar things he says in other places. It's not like a wildly different presentation of Jesus, but it is. it does focus on different areas. Um. So it seems like the focus is a little bit more on the internal conversation with the, the disciples. And I've always thought that in itself is fascinating. Like if they have three years with him, like imagine the number of strange conversations there must have been, like the the late night conversations that must have turned to humor at times, like just the general, just everyday life, like all day, every day, just hanging out. Just, yeah. I wonder if they got annoyed by Jesus sometimes. 
I would hope so. I get annoyed by Jesus sometimes in the, in the sense of like, he asks things that I don't want him to ask. Yes. So no, like, I, I'd like to think he was never just not a good person. Yes. But, but I, I think that like, <laughs> well, that's a pretty good premise based upon yeah, the yeah, scriptures. Based, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but like, so, 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 but, but good people still annoy me. You're a good person. <laughs> I know you all the time. <laughs> so I, I think it's that, debatable like, on whether I'm a good person or not. But yeah, I but, see what but, you mean. But that that like yeah that sense of um yeah the the amount of time that they got to spend together must have been incredible. Uh, and and so for them like this like the John chapter thirteen idea that I'm going away that we covered last week all yeah. the more intolerable for them. For us, we kind of look back and we're like, well, yeah, of course he was going away. And, you know, the reminder that the Holy Spirit is given is a good thing, but it, we don't have the sense of loss. Yeah, so for, for this week's episode, can you just give us a little background from last mm-hmm. week? Um, you just mentioned it in passing, but if someone missed last week, could you catch them up? Set the stage. What's going on before this upper room discourse mm. takes place? Just real briefly, um, if yeah. you're more interested, you can go to last week's episode and hear a yeah. deep dive into that. Well, all of the Gospels spend quite a lot of time on the last week of Jesus' life. But John, I think, is the, the percentage-wise, is the largest. I think John chapter 12 onwards is all the last week. You might even include John chapter 11 in Bethany. That's pretty close as well. Um, so, so there's this, like... Triumphal, triumphant entry into Jerusalem, huge crowds of people, everyone celebrating. The road splits as he walks into the city. He can go to the law courts and or the, the legal sort of area, and he can start a revolution, or he can go to the temple and start teaching. Um, and just based on the makeup of the disciples, there's there's probably at least a quarter of them that are like we should go and we should like we should prevail. Um, I mean, Judas seems like he was probably a zealot. Uh, Simon is called a zealot. Like, there's at least a couple of them that are training in secret to overthrow the Romans. Um, so, so like, th- there's all this expectation, like thousands of people chanting his name. Um, so it feels like the moment has come. It's about to start. Yeah. It's we've like, been prepping, we've been in training, and we're finally... Very Star Wars, like, you know, when they're attacking the Death Star. It's a trap! Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And then... We get to this moment, and he's well, then, like, yeah. "I'm out." Well, then we, well, then we have the yeah, the Passover meal or the pre-Passover meal, and the the washing of feet, and and the the language has definitely shifted at that point to, "I'm leaving." Yeah, and and he specifically says, "I'm like I said to the Pharisees, I'm going, and you can't come." Yeah, um, he's like, man. For a guy who's starting revolution, he's sure talking about dying slash yeah. ditching us a lot. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> this is starting to get uh, concerning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, yeah, for, for him to say that and then to try and say something like, oh, it's better that I go away, as he says in John chapter, it kind of infers in chapter 14, but Outrageous. says explicitly in 16. Yeah. Um, it's better that I go away. Um, which, yeah, that, again, like especially in the context of three years of just constant everyday life. Like, how can they possibly believe that? Yeah, so he said some really disheartening things. Yeah, on the tail end of probably the the pinnacle of some it's of high, their high, anticipa- high, high. anticipation, emotions are high. 
all of this stuff. And then he starts saying this, he's just laying it on thick and then 14 hits. And he's like, all right, I can tell, I can tell that the, the emotion in the room is not jolly anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he says, do not, um, yeah, do not let your hearts be troubled. You do not, do not let your hearts be troubled by the awfully troubling things that I've just spent the yeah. last chapter telling you. They're like, oh, that fixes it for us. Yeah, it's like me sitting down with my kids and saying, we're not going on vacation this year. Like, you know, I, 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 I played this joke on Elena the other day and she completely fell for it. I, I said to her, uh, and this only, I guess, makes sense if you've seen or read Matilda, the, the book and the movie. But I, I said to her like, oh, yeah, no, you're not coming to England with us this year. You're going to stay with my great aunt, Agatha. She runs this school. Um, and Elena's like, I didn't know you had a great aunt, Agatha. Like, well, what's the school that she runs? And I'm like, it's called Crunchham Hall. Um, and she's like slowly, slowly, like, she's like, wait, hold on a second. Um, but, but it's similar. It's a similar, like imagine your parents as a kid giving you terrible news. Um, and then say, no, don't, don't let it bother you though. Um, yeah. Now, of course he does have, he does go on to give lots of good reasons, but there's still this suspension of time between, um, I'm going away. I'll come back and get you. And the question that lurks is what about in the meantime? Yeah. So I have, uh, just to get to this week's sermon, I'll finish maybe some of the summary in, in, yeah, in the yeah, way this, yeah. was that this because I have some observations okay. about this week's yeah, summary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we have a question, at least one's question that was submitted. So we'll get to that a little bit later too. So you kicked off the series, you set that up. You've already mm-hmm. talked about that. And then the first week in the series, you were explaining how um, part of his promise was like, don't be, don't worry. I'm giving you power. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Yeah. You don't need my power. You don't need my direct personal, you know, still on yeah, in flesh you, and bone. Like you don't need, need me doing everything. Yeah. In you, fact, I'm going to send you more power yeah. than you can possibly imagine. So mm-hmm. that was your first week. Mm-hmm. And then we told people last week, oh, this coming work, we're going to talk about comfort. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and that's, that's where we're headed for, for this conversation. But you did something very different with the message. I don't know. I think you, I talked about comfort a lot. I know you did. But on a week that t- talks about the spirit as comforter, you you also talked about the spirit as discomforter. Yeah. I, I guess I did. I I, I think my, I, I loved it, by the I, way, yeah, yeah, in yeah, a most you. in the most squirming kind yeah. of like convicting kind of a way. I, I loved I, it. Yeah. So I think. My, so don't say I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it was like unexpected. Yeah, I, th- I think and I had my, several people say that my, my major, like if I, if I'd had one thing that I wanted to people to contemplate, because it was the thing I'd been compl- contemplating all week was, um, it was, do the comfortable ever really feel the need for a comforter? Yeah. So if some of our like, and 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 I guess I'm reading this into the text, but if if there's supposed to be a sense for us of need for the Holy Spirit. Like, I think we'd had conversations in the week before, hadn't we? Like, well, how, how do you move a community? How do you move an individual towards like, no, I really am looking for the Spirit's yes. presence. I'm like, I'm, I'm desiring of it. I'm wanting it, which seems to be the mark of like, that's been the argument for the mark of every great revival. Like it's, some people would say prayer, but actually no prayer is still the outworking of desire. Yeah. There's this time, there's this, been occasions where I'll lead this song called breathe and I'll sing, 
And I'm desperate for you, kind of, sort of. Yeah, yeah, kind of. And I yeah. need you more than anything, kind of, sort of. But there's also the risk of I'm, I'm actually kind of okay. Yeah. Like, everything's under control. Like, I'm, I'm paying my mortgage. Uh, I have enough money in the bank to, to buy the necessities, okay? It may not be a life of luxury. Uh, we may not have two brand new cars or whatever the, the, the metrics Define are. Define luxury. It's a moving target. Yeah, it totally yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But it's not like, it's not destitution. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, yeah. Um, I was just reading the book, The Glass Castle, uh, this week. And um, it's, a, it's autobiographical. And the, the, the lady that wrote it is recording or recalling her <laughs> life story. And, and how her dad would just at different seasons just almost disappear. And he was always trying to find gold in the mountains, but he was actually like down at a bar down the road. And she talks about going to the the refrigerator and there's like a, st- a stick of margarine in the refrigerator. And then she goes back that afternoon and it's gone. And she looks at her sister. She's like, wait, did you get bread to put the margarine on? She's like, no, no, I just mixed it with sugar. Kind of tastes like frosting if you do that. Um, like that, that's like destitution. That's like, yeah. we've got nothing. Um, yeah. and so if, if you're just kind of ticking over now, now that desperation, I don't think it has to be a physical or, or a monetary thing. I think it can be a spiritual thing, but if, if you're honestly like just ticking over and you're like, yeah, I, I, I love Jesus. I'm, I'm present. I'm small grouping, I guess, or I'm doing some devotions and whatever, but, but if there's no real discomfort, do you ever really look for a comfort? Oh, okay. So I feel like we should sit there for a second because um, maybe that is the the case. Maybe that is the role of religion and faith is like, you're just supposed to like leverage that to get to a place where you have enough physical and monetary comfort and life. Like if, like why do you even need faith if your life, your family's healthy, your relationships with your family are good you're generally kind of a, a good person and you're mm. not like detrimental to society mm. and you're happy. What's the role of faith in a society That's like a that? Great question. Like, what it? do you need it for? If, yeah. And so part of what you talked about is like, no, we have, we need this desperation. Let's try and like mess up all that comfortable stuff mm. so that we need him again. Mm. But wait, isn't the target this comfortable middle-class well, happy yeah, family life? Maybe it is. <laughs> except do you not know lots of middle-class happy families that aren't that content at all i know but okay yeah so this was a massive crisis of faith for me actually okay. yeah maybe six or six or so years ago um i was gonna say if it was this week you worked through it pretty quick <laughs> <laughs> I, I've had, I have massive crisis of faith it was a massive crisis of faith on sunday afternoon You're like, <laughs> define massive because yeah and then i watched the nuggets game and i was okay i just realized that uh, um the more friends that i have that aren't wouldn't call themselves christians would not call themselves followers of jesus in any way mm-hmm. wouldn't even call themselves people of faith the more friends that I have that are in that space, um, the more unexpected it was for me because I grew up on the mission field. Mm. I had some relationships with with folks there, but I wasn't like in a typical situation because it was a war-torn country. I mm. didn't get deep relationships with yeah. unbelievers there. 
And then when I moved back to the States, it was like dive deep into a relationship mm-hmm. and all my friends were in youth group and all this. So I've been in like this Christian bubble pocket for a lot of my life. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally started um, building friendships with those out, I expected that like, if you're not a Christian, your life's falling apart, obviously. Yeah. Like you're, you're obviously going to be an alcoholic or you're like, your marriage is falling apart mm-hmm. or your kids are horrible. There's something horribly yeah. wrong in your life. And therefore the gospel is uh, the solution to all of that pain and suffering. Mm. And then I started having friends and some of them were even better than I was. They tried really hard to have healthy marriages. They were trying to pursue date nights with their wives. They Mm. were trying to be intentional in their parenting. They were trying to, and I was like, wait, the gospel that I believe they don't need. Mm. Potentially. So what is the gospel then? And that was my crisis of faith. Mm. Do I even know the gospel? Mm -hmm. And if the gospel that I thought I knew isn't something everyone needs, then is it even big enough to follow? That was my crisis of faith. So fix it. You've already fixed it. So when you, you, you no, I feel like this is the comfort conversation. It is a little bit. So, so it is, I mean, I mean, Jesus does say a couple of things that reflect on this in, in during his teaching. And, and part of the interesting thing with, with following Jesus is it's, and Dallas Willard just says this so beautifully, um, or so profoundly, you know, he says, really everyone follows someone I've chosen to follow Jesus, uh, you know, and, and I've chosen to follow him because I believe he's wiser than I am. Um, because I'm the problem. Like I can't necessarily figure out the right way to live. So I'm, tr- mm-hmm. I'm trusting that Jesus says, um, what Jesus says is right. So, so there's a guy that Jesus talks to or about in, at least in, in a, some kind of parabolic form where he says, um, this guy has a, a barn and he built loads of stuff in his barn, uh, put loads of crops in his barn. And then he looks and they're overflowing. So he says, well, I'm going to build a bigger one. I'll knock down the old ones. I'll build more. And, uh, and so for Jesus, actually the, the need for him, the need for, for gospel is actually as much as we try to avoid the language of, oh, so you can go to heaven when you die. Actually, it is very much tied to the brevity of life, at least in that parable. He's like, you know, this day your your life will be taken from you and who's going to get it all? Like the pursuit of wealth isn't a permanent solution to, for happiness in Jesus' mind. Um, like it's never going to be enough. So yeah. so he does. I mean, he, he, for better or worse, says, no, there is an element to um, there is this life and there is the next life. Um, so, so that, but, but that perhaps does exactly what we talked about on Sunday. It gets you to this point of saying, well, Jesus, I need you for that. But, but until that, but day, I don't need relationship with you yeah, as yeah. long as I've done, just tell me what the bare minimum yeah, is exactly, to, like to dig it out of the yeah, hot place. Yeah. And then I'll deal with getting to know you in eternity. Like, yeah. that's fine. Like, I'm sure, yeah, we'll be in clouds. We'll be playing harps like Hollywood thinks we're going to do. And then I'll have plenty of time to get to know you then. Mm-hmm. But for now, just tell me how to knock into the hot place and get just sneak barely in by the skin of my teeth yeah. into the into heaven. Um, is that the gospel? I don't think so. Do you? No, I don't no. think so either. But it is like I don't know. I, I feel like it's an, a subconscious feeling that many followers of Jesus 
have had in different seasons of life because we get so bogged down with trying to survive and live and cultivate joy and all these things in our everyday lives that sometimes the the gospel can feel so distant and removed from the everyday. And then when we do say, no, the gospel should affect my real life today. Mm -hmm. And you look around it around you and you're like, well, these people, some of these folks seem like they have even better lives than me and I'm following Jesus. Like, is there no this earth benefit to following Jesus? And, and, and when you are so busy, just, making it work or making it work better um that that can occupy enough time that you you you're not even really sure what you could be missing out on i th- i think that was my i wouldn't say it was a crisis of faith this week but the thing i kept playing with this week was what actually am i looking for at times um and and what is so comfortable about that um, or, or what feels so normal about that? Like I, you know, I I want to stay healthy. I want to um, make improve the property I have, which isn't a lot of property, but I want to I want to work on it. I want to whatever. And I think you can get to that point where you're like, is there any space for any sense of longing there? Um, yeah. So tell them about the illustration you used with the with Finding Nemo. Because I think that that was helpful oh, yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So, so I th- yeah, I mean, I mean, the, there is. So, Finding Nemo is a story about a, a fish that um, gets fish napped or whatever the term is for that. Ends up in an aquarium. His dad goes to get it, but but the the weird part is the aquarium's perfectly designed for him to live in. Like it's actually, uh, you know, okay, yes, three it's, square it's a, it's a day. Ball, it's it's going to get fed. It's going to get cleaned. And in actual fact, all the other fish, other than one, have no desire to leave it. They're actually very happy in the aquarium. Yeah. Um, and, and he comes in and they're like, no, let's clean you up. And then you get to live this aquarium life with us. Um, but but the, the, um, the deep ocean is what he's been made for. And that's where his longing still is. So, so I think for me, like that, that was part of the... I think part of the challenge for me was that I think there's been seasons of our life where we've, we've just said, like, oh, this is where we felt like God wanted us to be. Um, and so we've just, we've we've switched something for something, we've moved somewhere, and it's it's been rich to, to listen to that voice of the Spirit and, mm. and to be guided by Him. Um, and then you can get to a place where actually you have more money, perhaps, than you've had before. You have a house that you actually want to live in, which we never really had before. We were always kind of floating and looking for something else. So you kind of start to get to that point where you start to get some of the things that you thought you wanted. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's one of the things that, that makes you wonder, you know, and we've used this quote on this podcast before Oscar Wilde's like brilliant quote, that the only thing worse than not getting what you want is getting it. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so ultimately we, I wonder whether any of us that feel like, no, no life is just satisfying. Not, living in this close communion with Jesus um, or as, as Paul will phrase it at some point with the spirit of Jesus. Yeah. Because we've still got enough wants that we're chasing and and we've got some picture of like, Mm -hmm. eventually we're going to get to this point where again, I've ticked off the last box. Good. Yeah. So there's like, there's a certain part of life that can be, um, you know, Jesus might be somewhat part of it, but really, 
most of the energy is trying to like experiment with like, well, maybe if I get married, that'll, that it's, so I, my goals are to get married, get a house of some sort of like, not horrible, but not too much, but like some sort of level of good that mm-hmm. I'll define later. Yeah. And then uh, have some kids, have a dog and then, okay, that's pretty much cracked. Now we just need to do like the kitchen renovation. Yeah. Yeah. And then that'll crack the code and then we'll get the yard renovated and we'll get it a place where we're kind of situated and we got some retirement. And then that part of life passes Mm -hmm. and you're like, it's still empty. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess a bigger house, maybe like, then you start to start grabbing at straws to find meaning downside. That's going to be the easy solution. We just need less stuff. We're we're going to sell everything and travel the country just together. Like, tap yeah. out of society a little bit and i think that that that's where i like somewhere it seems to me that jesus argument here is is yes they're going to be in distinct situations where they need a comforter like it's going to get it's going to get tough for them in the next few years yeah they're going totally. to and he says in other places you're going to you're going to get dragged in front of synagogues in front of judges into courtrooms in those moments the spirit will be with you don't worry about what you're going to say You'll be given the right words to say all those different things. But on a broader level, regardless of what life looks like, you feel like the the implication behind everything Jesus says is that life is richer when lived with close connection to the Holy Spirit. Um, mm. And yet I do think there's these really easy substitutes for really pursuing that. So I think I think that the, the was it um, was it George MacDonald or was it G.K. Chesterton that said the the Christian life hasn't been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Yeah. Um, and I actually wonder whether it's actually um, uh, as much that life in the spirit has been left untried by lots of us. Yeah. Because, because why? Like, how, how, do you, how do you find space for that if there's no urgency for it? And why would you have any urgency for it? If you've still got a whole bunch of wants to tick off the list. Like you're still playing like I want this bingo. Like and yet, as you say, yeah. you've got like okay, I just ticked off the new deck. Like um, the spirit might be on the list, but it's like you know he's further down the list because some of these feel a little bit more tangible and easy to access, and I just got to work a little bit harder, and then I'll try that. Okay, if that doesn't work, then maybe down the road I'll try yeah. the spirit. And that that doesn't even begin to cover the things that you don't particularly want to do, but you feel like you have to do. Like you still got to go and earn money. You still got to run your kids all over the place. You've still got to do this and that. And um, so I, I felt like that the the frustration for me, and, and perhaps for other people listening, was I feel this tension, and it just feels I feel like very aware of it today. Yeah. Um, or this week, and I don't feel like there's any concrete answers to it that I have. But but the story of Puddle Glum was the one that I told that to me was like, it just yeah. typified what I felt I needed to find a way to do. Like, is there some way we can put our foot in the fire? Yeah. So if you to didn't force hear, ourselves yeah. to wake up, if you yeah. didn't hear that, the, the Narnia story is, is one of, um, there's this moment where these two children are in this world of Narnia and they're in this room with a character called, called Puddle Glum. He's a marshmallow. Don't have time to explain that. <laughs> uh, but they, they, there's, there's this witch that she's playing this beautiful music. She's slowly sending them into this, like, this almost daze. And she's got this sweet smelling perfume coming out of the fire. And she's just telling them all these things about the world, specifically 
um, that their world that they believe in is made up. Uh, kind of like we would say about perhaps there's this other life that can be lived. Very platonic. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so You're she, in a case, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so she's, she's kind of like, no, you know you talk about the sun, but it sounds just like the lamp. Like, isn't the sun just a big lamp that you've dreamed about? And you talked about Aslan, this lion, but isn't that just, isn't that just a big cat? Um, and she kind of gets them to this point where they're acknowledging, yeah, there's no world but this world. Um, and Puddleglum's finally got this moment of clarity. Uh, and he decides that he's got to stop the, the, the magic, so he shoves his foot in the fire. And, um, uh, and then in, in like this moment where the, his head clears, he, he looks at her and says, you know, well, basically, you say this is the only world. If it is the only world, it's pretty incredible to me that us three kids playing a stupid game managed to create a world that's way better than your world. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, so... So I, I wanted to know, like, I was trying yeah. to ask, like, well, how can I put my foot in the fire in this moment of, like, mm. is it that I need to 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 intentionally, like, hit no on some projects? Is it that I need to start some projects? Is it need, is it a practice of contentment or, around what I have? Yeah, uh, or it, generosity. You know, Do we need to, like, give till it hurts even more? Exactly. Or... That was another one that came to mind. Like, Yeah, um, like this self-inflicted like i'm gonna dream bigger than i'm comfortable with and, yeah like i'm gonna pull the trigger i'm gonna you know buy the tickets for the adventure that feels a little bit terrifying to me i'm yeah. gonna sign up for the counseling that i've been avoiding for ages i'm gonna uh talk to the parent that i've been ostracized from that but i've been sucks, avoiding like, yeah whatever that is whether it's sending an email whether it's making a phone call whether it's inviting someone into the home whatever that looks like um, it just felt like there's moments where you might do it, but there's moments that you might let pass and you might go back to the old system that you were yeah. operating in before. So I think, so, you know, all those questions about the gospel and what is the gospel. And I, I think what I had to start to do to, and tweak is I had to start to believe that the gospel does answer this innate God designed craving that we have to be part of this bigger, grander, more beautiful mm -hmm. story. Um, that's beyond us. Mm. And so if you think about it, if that's been you, like every society in history is obsessed with story. Mm -hmm. It's obsessed with, um, seeing a protagonist overcome some challenging thing. Um, and so, it's interesting that you have maybe like your illustration, maybe we're a bunch of fish in an aquarium mm -hmm. watching movies about fish out in the wild mm -hmm. blue ocean, experiencing adventures, facing sharks, facing mm -hmm. all of these things. And we're like, Oh, it's so fun watching them experience mm -hmm. that. And occasionally you'll have a fish that's in the aquarium aquariums. Like, that looks like a better kind of existence than my aquarium. Yeah. So I decide to try and get out of the aquarium and into the big ocean. We're in an again. aqua, uh, an aqua matrix of some kind. Like yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. And so the reason humans love stories, movies, books, these things is because there's something that God put in our souls as mm -hmm. human beings to say it like calls us forward. Yeah. Maybe there's more. Maybe I, what if I could live like the protagonist on the screen yes. or like the my favorite book uh, that I read and 
that's that little spirit saying, come forward, yeah, come yeah, forward, yeah. come forward. Um, yeah. And, and I think that, that, you know, th- that there's a warning to us, right? Cause I, I think you acknowledge there is a life that you can live. That's pretty pleasant to live. Yeah. Um, but we've also seen like where that can lead in terms of there's almost no rich people that you seem to come across that are genuinely happy. There's almost no true hedonists that you come across that are, that are genuinely happy. So like the, the theory would be like, if, if some kind of like attainment of wealth or whatever can make you happy somewhat, we, we should be seeing it more often as people because, but actually some of the richest people are some of the most miserable, most depressed people that feel like life has no purpose to it whatsoever. Or they're just like, don't even really recognize that they're rich and they just give most of it away and they, leverage it in other ways yeah. like that's the only way to crack that code yeah where they they leverage their riches not for themselves but for someone else mm-hmm. like that's the weirdest thing about yeah 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 so so it, it seems like th- there is this sense of like oh yeah everything's fine hmm. but then there's also this other other thing that seems <clears throat> to come up where people um people would say oh everything's going great and then there's mo- the moment where it's not going great and that can just change on a dime at times yeah. Like there's a diagnosis, there's a uh there's a stock market crash, there's a a business like litigation or something like that. Um th- th- there's those moments that hit and they they almost throw this tiny little pebble under the wheel of the bike and it just feels like everything just hits you. Yeah. Um and and it's those moments that even if you thought everything was fine, you feel like you desperately need this comforter. And then that, that's actually the beautiful thing about how God seems to work with us. He's like, yeah, okay, I'm still here. Like, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm. So what's weird is like, so even though I kind of um, maybe straw manned you in the mm-hmm. beginning and said, you talked about the spirit as comforter and discomforter. Mm-hmm. Actually, they're both different expressions of comfort. Yeah. In one sense, if you're in crisis and you're obviously in crisis, it feels like you're in crisis monetarily, relationally, like whatever it is, and you're like, I need a comforter. Or if your life situation is relatively, quote unquote, mm-hmm. comfortable, but your soul is mm-hmm. in crisis. And there's yeah. like this little voice deep down inside of you that says, there's got to be more than that. The spirit's willing to come in and comfort you to that destination, which might mean it jacks up your whole like, yeah. uh, middle class yeah, home. Yeah. yeah. But it's still an expression of comfort. It's a comfort to the actual crisis, which is this crisis of meaning, of purpose, mm-hmm. of value, all of those sorts of things. It just reminded me of this passage in Philippians. And this is maybe the goal, right? I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at, uh, at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but then he goes, Listen, I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know that what is uh what it is to be in need in other words he's learned to actually find that meaning and purpose in this place and in this place and man if we could find the like crack the code to finding meaning and purpose and joy and life both when we're in need and when we're in plenty Well, i heard heard this amazing interview with patrick lencioni who we should have just had on the show to talk about this because i'm sure he would have said yes to us if we'd asked him right we should uh, we should we should do it like i've heard of like little tiny podcasts they're like well maybe we'll try and then like they say yes yeah and like, what? Just like, yeah uh, but he was telling this story about how he he said for like 12 years i think he said it was a, a ridiculous length of time he said i have had no joy in life 
Wow. And he said, right in a season when my business was at its best. I mean, he's like, you know, he's a Catholic, um, but he does a lot of work with, I mean, historically with some of the biggest companies in the world, almost all Fortune 500 companies. I mean, he, yeah. he's a killer leadership guru. Um, and he said, yeah, the business was flying, just no satisfaction. He said, like, as hard as it is to say, my wife, no satisfaction. My kids, no joy, no satisfaction. The house that I get to live in, all gone. He said, I just had nothing. Um, he said, I was miserable. And he said, it all started one Sunday when the, the priest at the, the, uh, the Catholic church he attends was, was preaching on um, the parable of the sower. And he said, he was talking about the, the different places that the seed falls. You know, it falls mm. on the, the path, it falls on the rocks, it falls on the, the thin soil uh, or on the good soil. Uh, and uh, he said, I, I'd always thought, I'd always known I was the weeds. Like I'd always known that there was so much stuff that was growing up around that the gospel life that was supposed to grow was, was, was getting, cut, choked, was getting out. choked out. Yeah. But he said, I knew that, but I said, I'd always had this perception of it that like, well, that's better than the other two. Like, at least I'm not the path. At least I'm not the, the, the stones or whatever it is. Like, yeah. like at least like I got to level three. I, I didn't hit level four, but I got to level three. Yeah. Uh, and he said, he, he suddenly had this crushing reality of like, no, it's just, that's just as bad as the other two. Jesus isn't giving like a graduated, oh yeah, try and get to this one and then try and get to that one. And then finally you'll get to the fourth. And he's like, no, no don't be these three at all. And he said, so he, he kind of like in this moment said, Jesus, you know, I actually, I really want to live life in you. Like whatever that looks like. I, I want to live close to you. I don't want to be the weeds. I don't want to believe that this life is supposed to give me this sense of satisfaction. Because uh, I'm suspicious that it doesn't. And of course, he works with all these different people that he, he sees this in. And, and he says in, in the interview, like, I, I recently have talked with both Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and they're both terrified of retirement because they don't know, don't know what to do with their lives. Um, and so he said, God said to me as I was praying that, um, are you sure? And he said, yes. Mm. And he said, from that moment, everything disappeared. Like my, my joy just just gone. Um and he said it only was like years later that he said it's finally started to come back. But it actually took all of that to give me that sense of discomfort. Um, like, and he said it wasn't an explosion. And he said sometimes you, you think you're going to get this explosion if you pray that prayer. It's going to be like, you know, you end up having an affair or you end up on drugs or you whatever. Yeah. Um, but he said, like, mine was was more of an implosion. It was just like an interior. An interior dissatisfaction. That, that I tried with... to cover with work, being a workaholic. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, it was just it's really like, interesting. There's a hear. song, I Asked the Lord, I think it was written by John Owen, a poem. It says, uh -huh. I asked the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace, might more of his salvation mm -hmm. know and and seek more earnestly his face. Um. And then the kind of the punchline of this poem is, so I asked the Lord to, to grow, right? And and then he's like, and then it went horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. And instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart. Let the angry powers of hell assault my soul mm. in every part. Oh, man. Um, and then he, he cries out to God and he says, yeah, um, Lord, why is this? Um, will thou pursue thy worm to death? 
And then God responds, tis, this, tis in this way, the Lord replies, I answer prayer for grace and faith. Wow. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free. That thou might seek thy all. Yeah. And it's like, that's a terrifying prayer, which you even hinted at on Sunday. You're like, terrifying. I'm so scared to pray this prayer, but there's a piece of my soul that says, you gotta do it. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, and I think I think that so that that was was really just a whole bunch of messy thoughts from that week. Um hmm. that sometimes happens with a sermon. Like sometimes a sermon can feel kind of clinical. Like it, it can be like people need Not to Not for me <laughs> when I <laughs> preach. It feels like a complete disaster area. I'm like sitting in my office, "Lord, please give me something." <laughs> you have more reps than I do. Yeah, yeah, I think that is the thing like and I probably felt like that at some point, but but uh, the more you do it, the the, the you, you recognize the some weeks where what you'll feel is this is an important truth people need to know. Um and I don't feel hugely connected to it perhaps. Huh. Um, you, yeah. you know, like, like, um, when, when Andrea preached actually on, um, the, the second half of marriage, almost like this, this, how do you keep this vision going? Yeah. Well, there was this time where she was like, I'm not sure I have the space to do that. I don't know if I feel ready to do that. And I was like, well, I'll probably end up doing it if she doesn't like, could I have found something to say on it? Yes. Like, would it have had the same resonance? Probably not. Like, can yeah. you at times? And, and I, I think I found that as a youth pastor, there were seasons where I was genuinely going through, like, what you call, like, not crisis of faith, maybe, but but at least, like, these deep contemplations about, like, who is God really? Like, and what does following Jesus really mean? And, and all of these questions floating. And I'd end up speaking at a youth event, and I'd get up and tell them Jesus loved them, he had a plan and purpose for their life and their call was to follow him. Like there were moments I got up and I, I would say it like not flippantly. I would say I did my flipping job. Uh, like I really did. Um, yeah. But, but if I'd have shared the internal workings, it, it would have felt like just, you know, like vomiting into the room almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've had that feeling like when you're like, when you're, I even j joked about a little bit a second ago, like when you're, leading a song in worship and you're saying, Lord, I'm desperate for you. Kind of. Yeah. And I really, really need you. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, I'm actually yeah, yeah. doing a pretty decent job yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've actually sung this song like multiple times. Or like, you're the only thing that matters to me, but I really can't wait to go watch the Broncos game. Like, that's it's, a tear. And then like as a leader, as a spiritual leader, you're like, I am the worst spiritual leader ever because I am having these thoughts. And I used to like say, I'm just inauthentic. I need to just... There was even a moment where I was like, do I need to resign because I'm mm. not connecting with the, the yeah. songs, the words that I'm saying. And I, um, I had to start to learn to trust the spirit in me mm -hmm. as like the one who can affirm the statements as true yeah. beyond what I could. And then that ironically, then there was like this, that internal part of me, this part that has been quickened by the spirit that says, yes, then it wasn't able to like re-engage. But, but yeah, it's super do you, do you feel like that, that is, uh, you know, I've often wondered what is it about David that makes God call him a man after my own heart? Um, because there's lots about David, the action wise, you're like, hmm, really? 
Like, like there's uh, definitely yeah. moments. He definitely yeah. has moments where you're like, oh man, what a moron. Um, and I say that like mm-hmm. maybe too flippantly, but but just th- there's there's definitely moments with David though he does some stuff that's not great at all. Totally. Um, and yet God still calls him a man after my own heart. Yeah. And and it feels like some. Do you of, have an answer to that question? Well, well, or are you I, asking me? Uh, you yeah, I'm asking you. I don't. So I think part of it is it seemed like David had a a default that he returned to, which was, um, God, I choose your way, even mm-hmm. if it's at my detriment. Yeah. Um, so like, even like his interaction with Saul was like, I, I'm God's chosen anointed. And I refuse to touch Saul because I'm going to let God's going to be the one who does this. Mm-hmm. And then even his interaction with, um, some of these different mistakes he's made, he would always say, you know what? You're right. Like he's, he make a stupid mistake. Nathan like comes to him and whatever. And he's like, he humbles himself before God. You're right. I've made the wrong mistake. I got him back in. I'm, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I just want what you want. Even when I make a mistake, I'm going to return to, I want yeah. what you want, even if it's hard for me. Mm-hmm. And whereas other people were always like, no, I want more power. I want mm-hmm. more control. I want more money. Yeah. And he was willing to lay down that, attitude multiple times throughout his life and say, and I think it's the same thing that Abraham does. You know, Abraham is supposed to be the one with more influence. He's the one that God calls out. He goes and he sees lot or he has lot along with him. Who's a representative of the uh, younger, Mm -hmm. even though it's a nephew, it's a, it's the representative of the younger brother. And, and what happens, he says, we're running out of space. You get to pick first. I, I set aside my yeah, rights. Yeah, yeah. I set aside my authority, yeah, my influence, and you decide. And God's like, I just love that heart. Mm. I love that attitude of mm. you choosing to set aside your rights. Yeah. And and for the better good of the Yeah, and, and I think that... That's um, my theory. Yeah, I, I, I that there's a lot that, that I would say was, yeah, in a similar track to, to what I was thinking. It, it is with David, to me, this... Um, God calls him a man after my own heart. And, and you know, the, there's one reading of that in English, which is a man who resembles my own heart. Mm-hmm. And then there's another reading that says someone pursuing. who is after and pursuing my heart. Um, I would have to say it's the second, right? It's that I just kind of just want what God wants. And I think sometimes it's both, but but yeah. I, I think both, both of them are fairly good readings. Like it's, it's God, it's, 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 I want what God wants. And it's also, I want God. Um, yeah. and, and like that, you see that in some of the language in the Psalms, where can I go to be with God? Um, like this desperation, like how lovely is your dwelling place? O Lord almighty. Like the, the, the yeah, or even like when he wrestles with what we're talking about today, mm-hmm. I look around and everyone else is, is like, they're, they're off the rails, but their life is amazing. Yeah. They don't love you. Yeah, they yeah, don't pursue yeah, yeah, you. And it yeah, seems yeah. like, so it's the same conversation yeah, totally. we're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he says, Oh, and then I walk into your house. And I realized that's the good stuff. Yeah. And so, so <laughs> the, like, the, the, the feels like the sum of that, um, yeah. some of that at the heart of what we're talking about today. It's not that there's a sense you can't have a pretty good life without pursuing God at all. But there is this, there is this trust level when you've chosen to follow Jesus as not only savior, but also as, as rabbi and teacher. Yeah. Um, the, the, when he says, no, pursue me, um, come after me, 
that you say, yeah, I don't fully understand that, but that's the way I'm going to set my direction. Um, yeah. And then you do it and you're like, oh, I'm glad I did that. And then a new issue arises and you're like, I'm not sure I want to surrender that one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I trust you enough. And he's like, okay, I'm just asking you for it. And then yeah. eventually he was like, all right, I'm going to try. I surrender mm-hmm. this. And you're like, oh man, Jesus was right. And, and I think maybe, <laughs> maybe what was a little bit at the heart of some of my wrestling was I always felt like, and, and this is maybe the thing about life getting better, good, whatever. It always felt for a lot of years that for Laura and I and where we were with the kids, there was nothing that it wasn't easy to just say, yep, okay, we can leave that. Yeah. Um, there were communities we loved, like we love South, uh, and God called us onto different communities and we were okay with that. But then suddenly you get to this place, you're like, oh, I love this house I get to live in. Uh, I love like the 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 school that my kids are going to. I love like the 401k I'm investing in or whatever those different things are. Yeah. And then suddenly you start to get to your point like, oh man, how easy is it to to say like I'm going to give this away? How easy is it is to say like, you know, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to sell the house and give a chunk of the money to something we're going to move into a a small like like there's the it becomes very much like there's some practical stuff that you really want to hold on to. Yeah. Um, There's actually, uh, we need to get to the question in a moment, but the house that you're living in was an expression of that. Yeah. So the, the Caldwell family who you bought the house Uh from, who were members of South, they lived in a bigger house in Highlands ranch Uh and they were feeling this tension. And they said, you know what? We could continue to try and upgrade and upgrade every year. And instead we, are digging our feet in and we're saying no. His business was thriving uh-huh. at the time and they sold their bigger house and they down downgraded to yours. Uh-huh. And they said, this gives us more margin to give. It gives us more margin at whatever. And then uh, some economic stuff hit and his business started struggling. And it was like, oh, we saw what you were up to. Like you yeah. were prepping our family for a season where we needed this margin. And it allowed him to not take a salary at times to pay his staff wow. and then nurture a business into a healthy closure, which he couldn't have done if he'd been in the bigger oh, house. Oh man. That's the house you live in. And that's the house I live in. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's just all fascinating. And so I, I think there is this individual application. Our question is about the, the, the corporate. Yes. App, like application. How so, does it affect? I'm going to let you read. Cause I'm a bad public reader mm. without rehearsing. Huh? I appreciated the encouragement Sunday for us to seek the full nature of the Holy Spirit as one who, I can't read the end of the question because it's not on the screen. It's cut off. Whoa, Mm -hmm. whoa. Come on now. Can I like? Probably. Make the box bigger. Make the row bigger. Alex is teaching me how to use technology. I'm going to see if I can. What the heck? I want to get to the edge of the row, but it won't let me. Oh, that row. Ah, Look at you knowing how to work technology. No, it's still not going to work. Is that all of it? Yeah. I think it is. Perfect. Uh, As one who stands up for us and stands alongside us. So that dual element of like how the word advocate works. Calling us out of our comfort places to depend upon the Spirit's help. It struck me reading through Acts that perhaps this is both an individual invite as well as a corporate one to the big C church and local gathering of believers. Might you agree? 
And if yes, where do you sense the spirit encouraging South as a body to swim out of the aquarium and into the ocean to step into discomfort as we rely on the spirit? That's such a good question. Such a good question. Such a good question. Um, Y'all are so smart. And the easy part is, right, might you agree? Yes. I'm, I, I do agree. Um, what it means, I think, I don't know if I feel comfortable going, like still, still even wrestling with what does it mean individually? Um, like what does it mean for South right now? Do I believe that's our call? Absolutely. I would say that actually the the current elder conversation we're having at the moment is like a microcosm example of that. I don't yeah. Yep. Um I would I would maybe say it's bigger than a microcosm. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So 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 the the there was a um yeah, there some was this, of our listeners don't know. Yeah, and so so yeah, if you, if you don't know what what that is, um, right now we're having a conversation at South as to whether eldership, as it has been historically at South, is simply a male role, whether it's open to women as well, um, and we have people on both sides of the argument. Yeah, brilliant. Um, like, God-fearing, yeah. oh, Jesus-loving, totally, yeah. Bible-believing. And there are theologians on both sides of the argument. Yep. So in-house at South, it's split. In the world of the in the in the academy, it split, and so there was a sense for me as we started to nudge at this question, and we did like a whole discernment process that that Bill, our lead elder, led us through around um, asking God, should we really pursue this question? Um, yeah, and and I I had this sense that there was a few years that we could let go by where we could try and and not deal with the question that we could just let things be as they'd be. Yeah. But I was also aware that there were a bunch of people that were like, look, what's the why here? Like, what's the reasoning? Like, mm-hmm. run me through the scriptural arguments. People that are, are intelligent people that can look at scripture and say, yeah, is that really what it says? Um, so it felt like that there was this possibility, let's continue with the somewhat, like, comfortable... Uh, what do they call it? It's called like a de- detente or something like that. Like like this, this like somewhat of a piece. It's not a full piece. It's not like a complete ending of sensation, but it's almost like a truce. It's like we, we've kind of, no one's firing shots right now. We're continuing just almost burying our heads in the sand a little bit, pretending it's not yeah. a big deal. Or we could kind of pursue the question, which would stir up water. Which is why I actually would say it's not just a tiny microcosm. It was the, the, I think honestly, and this is me, I wasn't part of the decision-making process to say we're going to have the conversation or anything like that. I'm glad we are, but I wasn't part of that. So I'm a little bit of an outside observer at how the elders have approached this. Um, I think the bigger, scarier, more terrifying part of this conversation has been to have the conversation. Mm. Like once once and when and if and the board may decide like we're going to table this in the future whatever that's actually the smaller decision mm. the bigger decision because actually it's super duper easy to just say we're going to not talk about this yeah because uh if we do talk about it it's it's a it the the this final decision feels like it's looming in the future mm-hmm. 
And then we are going to actually have to have the hard conversation. We're going to have to say there's people who disagree. We're going to have to do this. We're going to have to do that. So uh, that just saying we're going to talk was the scariest part of the puzzle mm-hmm. for me. Maybe it didn't feel like that to the elder board, but that's why I think you guys went through that discernment process and said, is this even a conversation we should have? Mm. In this season, is the community healthy enough to have this conversation? Are we mature enough to have this conversation? And if we do, how do we do it in a way that's honoring to Jesus? And then once you pulled the trigger and said, we're going to have the conversation. Ooh, yeah. But I've, I've loved seeing it. And I think that to some extent, that's us being out in the big ocean because it's saying, no, we're not going to bury our head in the sand. Yes. We're not going, we're not going to let these questions just loom underneath the service where people are whispering in dark mm. corners. We're going to yeah. say, let's bring it out of the light. Let's talk. Yeah. And I think even already I've seen just some of the, you know, cause you, you, the ocean can be scary to keep using that metaphor. Yeah. It, it is bigger. It is. There are predators in the ocean. There's, There's sharks. Yeah. 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 Um, already I've just seen some really good signs of, of just one, how much people have valued that process of, of, you know, taking that risk to talk. Um, and even hearing people say things like, you know, when we started talking about this, it started to make me think, yeah, if I don't have what I want or it, it's not my views that are, are picked, I'm probably going to look for another church. Um, to already those, some of those people start to say, yeah, I've just kind of decided I'm all in on South regardless of where the decision goes on this. Yeah. Um, like that, like it's not uh, an absolutely like if you if you if you tear uh, pieces of ecclesiology or theology into um, what's essential. It's not like salvation issue. It's not like tier one. It's not the most it's, fundamental. It's not like thing. the deed of Christ. Yeah. And the, yeah. Um, and, and so salvation it is. Say, it is yeah. one of those things that you can choose charity in. You can choose to live and say, yeah, I disagree, but I can I can respect the authority of the church in that respect. And, and, and so like, I love that. I love that, that people are valuing the process, but yes, it's certainly that I I didn't sleep great that Saturday before we announced it. Yeah. Uh, Because I was just like, Oh man, I wonder what people think. Yeah. So that's one. Yeah. But is there any others that you feel like uh, a calling forward for our community on the horizon? I, th- I mean, I think the, the stuff that, that comes to mind, but nothing that I think has concrete answers. You know, we've talked about how we pray about the space that God has given us. Like, what, how does it continue to be developed? We have different tenants in this center. Um, you know, what does that look like in the long term? All these different elements that come yeah. up. But I, I think nothing that right now, like I think what I love about South is it's historically being a risk-taking church. Yeah. Um, and so it's really like actually, if anything, trying to continue to champion that DNA. Yeah. Um, as opposed to. Uh, yeah. And I think uh, maybe pulling the curtain back of leadership of a, of a local church family. Um, this is a conversation that Alex and I have all the time that um, Alexandria and C, uh, the elders, all of these folks in leadership, the whole staff have all the time is like, is there this bigger thing. And some of, some of the reality is, um, Alex, Alex came on staff. It's like three years, right? Three pushing into the fourth year, right? Yeah. So when Alex came on as our, our lead pastor, uh, that initial season was a lot about him internalizing, building relationships with people, learning the DNA of South, building all that stuff. Then the following year was him starting to establish some vision Mm -hmm. and direction 
And then it takes, um, this is true for any community. It just takes a long time for a community to ingest vision. Well, especially for churches. Churches are slow-moving animals. Yeah, um, we hang out once a week. Yeah. Yeah. Plus a few smaller groups throughout the week. Uh-huh. It's not everyone and, and, all together. And a bit, a bigger, like a, a company outside of the church world. Like if if the the staff get it, then it's happening. Yeah. Um, like and the client base is a little different. Yeah. With church, it really has to become a broad, broad like sense of this is who we are. Yeah, and our demographic is young and old, yeah. married and unmarried, uh, heard and not heard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the demographic. So you're moving this large community of people on a journey so that we all understand or are using similar language. And then once you start to use similar language, that's when you can start to say, all right, we're ready to pull the trigger on some bigger Mm -hmm. initiatives or whatever you want to call them to swim in the ocean. But I would venture to say all of that swimming the ocean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Now, if we get stagnant in some other ways, Hey, Give us a shout out. Yeah, I would love That'd that. That'd be intriguing. That'd be fun. We'd love to know when you um, think, how, what parts of South feels like an aquarium to you? Yeah. And, you can and, answer and, that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fun adventures ahead of us. Um, but, <laughs> I'm scared uh, to hear the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Put in comments below, what parts of South feels yeah. like an aquarium to you? But we've been going for an hour. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. It does indeed. Anything else you want to say? I'm good. Um, Put your foot in the fire. Yeah, well, I will. <laughs> Not you. <I'm> so, <laughs> you're like, ah, Aaron's yelling at me now. Oh, uh, no, Alex is going to be, um, oh, couple heads up we are going to have some uh change in episodes not next week yeah next week yeah next I week i will not be here next week actually i think we're probably gonna cancel next week's yeah. episode because both of us will be out yeah oh man no, no the week after the week after yeah week after. so two weeks we probably will have a, a canceled Hit episode us, put us on auto download and just yeah. catch us when you catch us that's right so anyway just a little heads up there like comment we would actually love some feedback on uh, some of those things or yeah, questions love to hear and i'm just trying to milk it beyond this so i can find my button to hit awkward stop. ending as normal yep welcome to the red couch theology podcast where i don't know what i'm doing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stop well thanks again for listening and we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you we'd love to interact with you about this so feel free to leave comments questions, all that sort of thing. And we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.